Our trips always have challenges. This particular trip, the first challenge we had was pronouncing the name of the city. Uh, it's, I don't think there's a whole lot of Spanish-speaking people here, so I can probably get by with saying it in my southern English, but it's Tono Catepeque. Uh, when we got down there, we found out they, they affectionately know it down there as Tanaka. So if you can't say Tono Catepeque, try Tanaka. It works pretty good. Um, we had a good trip. There were 11 baptisms. Uh, we'll give you a little bit more detail as uh, Matt and Clint come forward and uh, talk about their experiences on the trip. Give you a little history of our, our work in El Salvador. We started in 2001. In the late 90s, we were looking for a place that we could go to and, and continue to go back to. And uh, 2001, God opened the door for us in El Salvador with several devastating earthquakes. And our first place to go was St. Augustine. There was an established congregation there. Uh, their building had been destroyed. Where they were meeting was destroyed. And we acquired property and helped build a building for them. The next year we went to Saint San Francisco Javier. Uh, we established a new congregation there. It's a small congregation, but it still meets today. 2003, we went to a large town called Uslatan uh, in the department of Uslatan and established a congregation there. At, uh, the name of the congregation there is La Cruz in Uslatan. 2004, we went back to La Cruz and conducted another medical mission trip to bolster that congregation. Uh, all of these trips that I'm listing here are medical mission trips that we have conducted uh, with this congregation here in Mount Juliet taking the lead in, in these. Um, Victor Bonilla, we had worked with for some time in El Salvador since the beginning, and he established a congregation at, in San Salvador, on the north side of San Salvador, called Alta Vista. And Victor began his work there, I believe, in 2004. Uh, in San Salvador, where he is located, is not really an appropriate area for a medical mission trip. They, they have fairly decent medical care there. Uh, we, we visited him. Uh, several of us went on a uh, summer mission trip there one year, and the health department was kind of reinforced with their uh, military as they walked through the, the houses there to make sure they have adequate uh, water and uh, the military walks behind the health department with Uzis, so people kind of keep their place cleaned up there. Uh, in 2005, we went back to St. Augustine to bolster that congregation and help it grow. And then in 2006, we went to a congregation in the Uslatan area called Santa Elena. That congregation had been established sometime prior, uh, but we had a young man that was graduating and, and from the School of Americas, and we wanted to go there and help him get planted and get started his work there. So in 2007, we went back to the same location. So this year, we went to Tono Catepeque, and there were about 50 of us from the states and another 30 or 40 people from Latin America that joined us on that campaign. Right now in El Salvador, we have six ministers that we are supporting there. In St. Augustine, Os Osmin Amaya is there. 
Uh, Osmeen is a man in his 50s, uh, and he was preaching before we came to El Salvador. And San Francisco Javier, Oscar Zelaya, is preaching. In Usultan, uh, Jonas Martinez. He's a graduate of the School of Americas. In um, Alta Vista, Victor Bonita is preaching there, and he's a graduate of the School of Americas. At St. Elena is Jeremiah Zelaya, and Jeremiah is Oscar's son, and Jeremiah is a graduate of the School of Americas. And then in um, Tonocatepeque, we're trying something a little different for us in El Salvador. Victor is going to be the uh, lead uh, man there, but a young man, Ethren Rodriguez, or Enrique they call him, just graduated in December from the School of Americas, and so they're going to work in both in Alta Vista and Tonocatepeque. Over the years, we've had about 80 people from Mount Juliet go on these mission trips. Uh, there's only three that have gone on all eight of these, and that's Ronnie Travis, Mark Crisp, and Dennis Buchanan. Um, the picture you see is um, a portion of the group that went down there this year. It's the group that left out of uh, here, flying to Atlanta. We had some going through Houston and some going through Miami, but we all ended up in the right place at the right time and all ended up together. So uh, we had a good trip. Tonight, Matt Collins is going to come and talk about his experiences, and then uh, Clint Haynes will come forward and, and talk about his experiences. And then I'll come back and, and wrap it up. Matt? Oh, by the way, there will be some pictures behind these guys. They've not seen them before, so uh, there may be some surprises in there. Good evening. Here at Mount Juliet, I think we all know that we are very blessed with the eldership. Uh, they are very mission-minded, and um, I want to extend the thanks from our team in El Salvador to the elders for allowing us the opportunity to go to El Salvador um, all these years. I also want to offer a thanks on, from me to, um, to the congregation. Um, I want to thank all of y'all for uh, supporting me uh, financially as, um, as well as through prayer and your thoughts and prayers lifted up to God. Um, it means a lot to me and to the team I know to know that um, Mount Gilead is back here praying for us. And um, rest assured, your prayers uh, were answered while we were in El Salvador. Buddy um, came to me and uh, he uh, volunteered me to speak tonight and give, me a, and give a brief overview of my experience in El Salvador. Um, the thing that, that I guess hit me the most or, or kind of stood out to me the most is the fact of how receptive um, the people in Latin America are to, to the gospel or to what we're trying to teach them. For the most part, everybody we tried to talk to, they would, they would listen to us, and uh, they'd give us time of day, you know, kind of something different than what we're used to in the States. One of the things I had the opportunity to do while I was down there is go door knocking. Um, I went two days door knocking, and I sat through four or five Bible studies, the man that I went door knocking with, name is Carlos Hernandez. Um, Carlos is a great individual. He's around 23, 24 years old. He graduated from the Panama, the School of Preaching in Panama. Um, he's 
he's an amazing translator. If you were to ask these team members uh, who, the, who the best translator was, most of them would probably say Carlos. Uh, he's, he's an energetic guy, but he's also a great preacher and a great teacher of the Word. I got to sit beside him while he did these Bible studies, and uh, one of the hard things about it was I couldn't understand the language. I mean, I don't claim to know any, any sort of Spanish, but um, I would sit beside him, and he would let me know what passages that he was going to be teaching out of, and it made it a lot easier for me to follow along with him. And so it really, it really got to, to help me out know how to conduct a Bible study because I knew where he was going. I knew what he was talking about just by reading my Bible. I also got the opportunity to visit uh, some of the local schools while I was down there and help teach classes with a translator. Um, going into the schools, we had about three basic points we wanted to get across to them. The first thing, we wanted to, to tell the kids a Bible lesson. We wanted to teach them about the Bible. The second thing we wanted to do was uh, we wanted to go over the fact that we had a gospel meeting every night. And uh, Clint will talk more about that in a few minutes. And the third thing we wanted to do was invite them back to the free clinic we had at the compound. Um, and so we went in there to the schools, and we broke up into teams of probably four or five. And we had like a teacher and a translator. And then the other two or three individuals would be like acting out the Bible story for them. And most of the classes we went into consisted of about 30 to 35 kids on average. Some had 50, some had 20. It just, most, but it was around 30 individuals. And when we went in there, we, I guess we taught in schools two to two and a half days. And um, to th the total of all the kids that we taught ended up being 1,565 kids. 1,565 souls had the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. That's an amazing, amazing thing to think about. While that, that certainly is a large number, I think we'd all agree that the best number coming out of this trip were the 11 baptisms, including one teenager. Our main goal while we were down there in El Salvador was to spread the gospel, plant a church, and help it grow. While, while I'm thinking about that, it, um, it brings up a verse that we talked about in my uh, Bible class this morning, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And if you have your Bibles open, I want to flip to that. Second Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy to teach the gospel to men who can turn around and teach to other men. It's a kind of like a chain reaction. We all have somebody that taught us the gospel, and somebody taught that person, and we can teach others who will teach others who will teach others. So when we were down there, it's awesome to think that people that we could have taught, out of the 1,500 kids we could have taught, you know, some of them will be able to teach others about God and teach others and teach others, and it just keeps growing. And it's amazing to think what the church and uh, Tanaka will be like in a couple of years, be in small part because of what we have, were able to do while we were down there. Hopefully, uh, we helped plant a seed while we were down there, and that the, the individuals that were taught can teach others. And, you know, it's, um, it's great to think about, and hopefully we planted and water that seed, and uh, the Lord will hopefully provi provide the increase. And um, it was... 
it was overall, it was a, it was a great trip. Um, I know we all had a lot of fun, and it was my, my second year to go, and it was just, I, I'm a lifer already, and it's Lord will, and I'm going to be able to go next year and years after that. So just thank you very much for allowing me to go. As I talked to Colton and Collins and Lacey Shannon, uh, after they got back from their trip in 2007, and they told me what an awesome experience it was, how much fun they had, and they said, you've really got to go next year, you know, make the plans, get your money, you know, write your letters, get your money, you really want to go, it's a lot of fun. So when the trip came up and we got the dates and we started making plans for it, uh, I had some reservations about going, about getting away from work for a week in the middle of March, and we were planning this three, four months ahead of time. And uh, when I, as I talked to, uh, to friends about it, the, the response I kept getting back was, uh, God will provide. Just make the plans. You know, you're doing God's work. You can miss a week of work. Uh, God will provide for you. Um, and, and he surely did. I was not missed at work at all. So... Um, <laughs> As I was planning uh, what I was going to say, I was kind of preparing just a little bit before services started uh, in the fellowship hall. We'll be having our, our dinner later. And uh, Miss Tracy Shannon came up to me and, and asked, uh, are you ready? Are you prepared? you feel good? And I said, well, I'm a little bit nervous. And she said, well, I'm sure you'll do fine. Um, you know, just tell what you liked about the trip and keep it brief. So, I'm, and she emphasized that a couple times. Keep it brief. Keep it brief. And so I'm going to do that, definitely. Um, I kind of did pretty much the same thing that Matt did when, uh, on the, for the week. Uh, I, I would go out and do Bible studies in the morning sometimes. I would go to the high, uh, middle schools and, and do school evangelisms in the, evening, uh, in the afternoons. And in the evenings, we would all have the gospel meeting. Uh, he kind of touched on the school evangelism. So uh, with the medical missions, this is what would go on at the camp throughout the day. Uh, we would have dentists, uh, doctors, people who would be doing eye exams. There were around 1,500 plus patients seen at the clinic daily. We would arrive at the clinic about 8 o'clock every morning. There would be a line of anywhere from 100 people to 200 people. Uh, I don't know if we ever got a count of that, but there would be a line of people waiting at the gate to get in to get seen by, by our dentists, by our doctors. Uh, we provided eye exams and eyeglasses. We provided Dentistry, I'm not sure exactly how many teeth were pulled, but it was a lot. There were a lot of scared children going to the dentistry side of the clinic. Uh, but we gave away toothbrushes, we gave away toothpaste, we soaps, vitamins, lotions, things like that. Um, and we would do this every day from about 8.30 to about 4 to 4.30, uh, a full day, only stopping for about an hour for lunch. Um, so it was, a, it was a very full day, seeing a lot of patients. And one of the things that was emphasized that we were doing this as a service, but the point of us going to El Salvador was not to provide, it was to provide them a need as far as eyeglasses or maybe removing a tooth that had a cavity, but we were there to provide them with the word, and we were there to save souls and not, uh, th that was the most important thing, is to, to save souls, bring people to Jesus and, and, and spread the word. Um, at about 5 o'clock, our gospel meeting would start every evening. Um, we would start out singing in English to try to draw. Uh, we had a PA system, and Phil would lead singing. And people would kind of mill, mill around and slow, show up slowly. 
And uh, then they would have singing in Spanish by one of the translators would lead singing. Uh, and then it would go into an, a lesson for the adults. The kids would split off and go to a class. The teens would split off and go to a class. And there would be a new converts class that would be taught. Um, this went on every night. Uh, while this would be going on, some of the teens and some of the other uh, members of the trip would kind of fill out around the, uh, the square where the, the meeting was going on and try to draw people in. People would kind of mill around. Uh, you could tell that they were interested, but it was really tough because we don't, most of us don't speak Spanish. So trying to convince them or ask them if they want to come and sit down or find their, uh, a class for the children or find a class for the teenagers was a little bit tough and the translators were limited. And as far as I was concerned, that was probably the most frustrating thing was to not speak the language because there was the, you, you saw the opportunity there to maybe bring somebody in or get somebody to at least listen, but if there wasn't somebody there that could help you get that message across, that, that opportunity seemed to slip by. Uh, but all in all, the gospel meeting went really well. Uh, like Matt t said, there were 11 baptisms, uh, and that's the big number. And we did plant a church in uh, El Salvador that I look forward to going back next year and seeing again and seeing the growth and hopefully helping add to it again. Um, some of the things that impressed me the most was how the town welcomed us. Um, they welcomed us with open arms. They, they gave us their uh, center where... Uh, there was a big soccer field in the middle, uh, and on Sunday they said every, everyone in the t a lot of men in the town would come play soccer, and they cut it off completely so we could set up our, our, uh, our shop there, basically. Um, so they welcomed us with open arms, gave us everything that, that we needed. Um, another thing that impressed me was how hard the members of the team worked. Uh, everyone seemed to have a unity of purpose. No one complained about how hot it was or how tired they were, how thirsty they were, anything like that. Everyone worked hard uh, in that sense. And probably the thing that stuck with me the most was the closeness of our group. And I don't want to just say the Mount Juliet people, but it's the Mount Juliet people that I really were the only people that I knew on the trip going into it. And it's, it was amazing to see how the closeness of the group, how the group worked together and how we loved and how everyone had love for each other. Um, we've since come back and had a, a post-trip debriefing and things like that. And one of the things Buddy asks is, you know, how can we improve the trip, trip for next year? What do we need to do? And the number one that I've heard answer for that is we needed to stay at one hotel. Uh, this year we stayed at two different hotels and uh, I think that's more than anything. We just wanted to be together at night to sing and be around each other. And I think that goes back to how much each other, it, we cared about each other, uh, you know, everyone on that trip. Um, but there's one verse I want us to turn to, and it's kind of the whole point of doing a, a mission trip. And it's the Great Commission, which is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. It says, Go and make disciples of all nations. And... 
maybe the most important thing that I have drawn from the trip is what I touched on earlier is there was a, a language barrier for, for me personally because I don't speak Spanish. And, and we, as I would go to these Bible studies and watch the translators and listen to the translators, I could tell, I could pick up things from how they were interacting, but I, I, was, I couldn't learn much as far as what was being said. And the language barrier allowed me to, to not be able to do a Bible study myself. But here in Mount Juliet or Nashville, I don't have a language barrier. Everyone I work with speaks English. Everyone that I pretty much deal with on a daily basis, everyone I know speaks English. And for some reason, it's not nearly as easy to try to have a Bible study or invite them to church. And there, we so desperately wanted to speak their language so we could invite them in and try to get them to come listen uh, to a lesson, to try to get them to come to do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study or get into their home. And we, I don't have that problem here. And it's, it's something that I'm going to try to strive to work towards is not taking that for granted and, and working, you know, going to all nations. Our nation needs to be preached and evangelized too as well. But again, I want to thank everyone for, uh, you know, the, the support and the prayers that were, were given to our group. And, uh, and for Buddy, especially, because he put a lot of time and effort and energy into planning our group, uh, our, group our trip. Uh, even since we've gotten back, he's done a lot of work. So um, I appreciate it. And like Matt said, I hope to go back every year from now on until I can. So thank you. We come to make this presentation tonight not to um, glorify what we have done because it's not what we've done, it's what God has done through us. And there's a congregation of the Lord's people that met today in Tonokatapeki. Prior to March, they wouldn't have had that opportunity. It's... Uh, each morning we would have our devotional. And one morning, Roy Shannon spoke to us. And the thing that meant a lot to him on this particular trip is he said, I'm 70 years old and I've never been able to be at the beginning of a congregation before. He got to do that this trip. We've done that in Tonokatapeki. We've done it in uh, Alta Vista. We've done it in San Francisco Javier. So we've had the opportunity here to do that in several places in El Salvador. Um, a couple of things about the trip. Uh, the, the young man that was getting frisk on, that, on the picture up there, uh, I didn't show you the before and the after picture. That was a friendly policeman that was doing that as a gag for us. So we didn't have anybody get arrested. Uh, some of them should have been, but uh, <laughs> we did not have anybody arrested. Um, in many ways, this was a very, shall we say, comfortable trip. The mayor of Tanaka, which there were a number of pictures of, of him in this group, opened his heart in his uh, city to us. He had police protection for us on the, the camp uh, where we had the campaign. He had city protection for us around uh, the meeting site at night. Uh, the facility that we had was absolutely gorgeous. 
uh, it put our parks to shame in terms of how they kept things clean. Um, and the heat provided workers during the week to help usher people through the clinic. So we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to the mayor um, of Tanaka. Um, we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to all of you for supporting us over these years to give, an, give us the opportunity, the 80 or so of, of us from this congregation that have been able to go. Uh, without your prayers and without your financial support and without your encouragement, we wouldn't be able to do this. And that congregation that you see there, small congregation in Tonokatapeki, is there because this congregation responded to the, the Great Commission. Three out of the four Gospels, there is the command from our Lord to go spread the word. At the end of each one of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a command to go to all nations and baptize people and tell them of him. And whether we do that in El Salvador or Ukraine, Greece, Guinea, West Africa, Brazil, Arlington, Mississippi, inner city Nashville, or right here in Mount Julia. It is our commandment to do so. And I'm thankful that we have an eldership that, that is involved in all those works and encourages all those works. And as Clint said, somehow or another it's easier for us when we're down in El Salvador or some other country and we don't know who's on the other side of the door to knock on that door and ask them to church. But we should take that seriously here and invite our neighbors and give them the same opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus. Tonight's discussion, presentation, wasn't a, a gospel sermon oriented toward teaching you about Christ. But we did want to so show you the love that uh, was shown to us and the love that we showed to the people in El Salvador. They met this morning in that place and they had an opportunity for anybody who wanted to come and put on their, their Christ in baptism to do so. Or if somebody wanted to come forward and, and uh, be greeted by their, their brethren to get something off their heart, they had that opportunity this morning in Tanaka. Um, one difference between what they did down there this morning and us tonight is they only have 10 or 11 people to, to share their love with one another, only 10 or 11 people to um, show they, they care. Here at this place, there's 500 people here that will show you your love. If there's some reason that, that some might have tonight to come forward, either put their Lord on in baptism from other studies that you've done, or if your heart's been moved for other purposes to, to come forward and, and uh, be restored to the congregation or to ask for prayers of the congregation, we'd ask that you do that now as we stand and sing.